Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I think there's a few elements. So, one is having the tricky conversations before the baby comes, and that might mean sending out a generic kind of email to a bunch of people so no one feels targeted, um, and saying something like, just setting the expectations, right? So, saying something like, you know, we're about to welcome this little baby, um, we are so thankful for all the offers of support we've been given. We'll be taking the first two to three weeks without any visitors, but we'll reach out if we need anything or would like you to come over. The fourth trimester. What is it? What does that even mean? We've done the hard yards with the pregnancy and the birth. Can't we just focus on the baby now? I had no idea what the golden months were. I went back to work part-time, four weeks postpartum with my son. It was a terrible mistake. I was depleted and unwell for months. I started having conversations about why taking care of the mother is so vital during this season of motherhood. How can we support her? I promised myself that I would do things differently if there was another baby. So this is it. Conversations with leading experts that cover every angle of the fourth trimester. The best bit is while you're listening, I'm giving birth and putting all of this into practice. It feels indulgent and excessive, but I think that's a problem with our society. We don't honour the mother enough, her healing, her experiences. So today, we start. Naomi and I went to high school together many moons ago, so it was nice to reconnect in what feels like another lifetime and over such an important topic. Naomi is a postpartum doula. She focuses on the fourth trimester and supports mothers in every way through this next stage of life. I've invested in this next stage, and Naomi shares with us why it's vital to invest in support rather than expensive gadgets for newborns and how we can do this on a budget. Naomi, you are a postpartum doula and have a real love for looking after women after birth. Can you tell us how you arrived at this place? Mostly through my own experience of having a really rough time the first time around during postpartum. Um, I had my daughter, had quite a traumatic birth, and then felt myself really flailing during those first couple of months. I struggled with sleep. I struggled with getting support. I struggled with asking for help. I just generally struggled with becoming a first-time mother. Um, I developed postnatal anxiety, looking after myself, And it came as a real shock to me because I'd been around babies, I thought I knew what I was in for, and it was an absolute shock to my system. Then I read about how other cultures look after new mothers, um, and I felt really ripped off. And I knew instantly that not only was there something really wrong in our culture where you've got one in six women suffering from postpartum anxiety or depression, 
but there was obviously a need for, you know, people to come in and and build that support and build that village and build that community for new mothers. So that's what I wanted to do. I was a journalist for 10 years and then I was like, nope, I'm, I'm going to become a postpartum doula because this is what I need to do. Because for the people out there that don't know, a birth doula is someone that is kind of a wise woman that is with you up throughout your birth and up and into the birth, right? They birth kind of with you. They are there present. Yeah. Do you do that or are you just postpartum? I am purely postpartum um, because I saw that there were lots of birth doulas around and I think they're amazing. I had a birth doula myself second time around. Um, but what I saw most birth doulas offering was um, prenatal, a couple of prenatal meetups, being there for the birth, which is amazing, and then a couple of postnatal visits. What I really wanted to do was develop that relationship with the woman, um, not necessarily be there for the birth, but be there when she brought the baby home. Mm. Because I think what really gets lost is, okay, everyone's prepping for the birth, everyone's doing the labor, education courses, all that is super important. But then what happens when you bring the baby home, you know? That gets forgotten about. It's like preparing for a wedding without thinking about the marriage. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> Which also yeah. happens all the time. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> that's what's interesting is with my first pregnancy, there was so much time and thought put into my well-being as a pregnant woman and mm. then months worth of energy put into birthing and, you know, the prep to birth. Then what happens is, like you say, our culture really lets us down as women when we go home because even though I had some people around me saying, going back to work seven weeks postpartum is not smart, a lot of other people were championing that part of me, mm. like what a boss mm. bitch and you can do it all. Mm. And it was very confusing. So now what I've realized after getting postnatal depletion severely for five months, and that was always going to happen with the way that I went home with that baby. Um, how is it now? Like when we look at how we can help women prepare for postpartum, say the fourth trimester, what are some of those things that you have seen throughout your work that are vital? There's, some really universal needs which come through in lots of different cultures. So different cultures have different ways of supporting women during postpartum, but there's some really common themes. Um, the number one thing is rest. So really taking that first 40 days of resting as much as possible. I'm talking about like staying in bed pretty much for the first two weeks, you know, getting up to maybe potter around the kitchen and go to the bathroom or something like that, but not not going out for coffees, not doing any housework. Rest is the number one thing. The second thing is nourishing food and the food tends to be, have some really common themes going for it as well. So really easy on the digestion because your digestion gets really screwed up post-birth. Mm. Um, nourishing, soupy, stewy, moist, fatty, sweet, Think like a congee, um, a rice pudding, a beautiful stew, like slow cooked meats, bone broths, that sort of thing. Food is like my love language, so that's why I get really excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, 
comforting touch is the other one. So um, it might be a beautiful massage. It might be um, someone brushing your hair. It might be lots of cuddles, um, but really having that comforting touch. Um, the presence of wise women. So having women who can really hold space for you, listen without trying to fix um, which is a very kind of masculine way of dealing with things. So being that feminine, kind of just listening, holding space, hearing you out, letting you cry and just reassuring you that, you know, you're doing a really good job um, and, and getting into nature, which for, you know, a lot of us just means sitting out on the back deck, putting our face in the sun or maybe putting our feet on the grass you know it doesn't have to be going into um, the wilderness mm -hmm. so those are um, those are the universal needs that um, seem to come up in cultures all around the world and these are ancient practices um, and the way that lots of different cultures do it can seem quite extreme but I found that there are really simple ways of bringing all of those needs and covering all of those needs in our modern culture um, but the first thing is just resting and letting go, like as you touched on, letting go of that cultural expectation that we're busy and that we're achieving and that we're, you know, smashing out our goals. It's like, no, this is the time in your life that you actually really need to just let all of that go and rest. The Chinese actually believe that how you spend the first 40 days postpartum dictates the next 40 years of your health. Oh my so, God. Well, we really yeah. screwed up that the first time. <laughs> so did I, my friend. So did I. You make it up the other way around. <laughs> they say you can. They say you can. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> okay. So can we discuss kind of each of those pillars? Mm. Because some people are going to be listening like the old me like two weeks in bed god damn it come on like I can't <laughs> this I've got to do things you know throw yeah. in another child which you have and I have what are ways around that that you think women I mean obviously we can outsource help to nannies and helpers and and house managers and things like that if you don't have the resources how will you call upon your village to support that time? Yeah. So I think the first really big hurdle to get over is your own mindset because I was exactly the same as you, right? Like how I'm not going to lie in bed for two weeks. Don't be ridiculous. It's fine. Um, some ways to kind of reframe how you think about postpartum is imagining that you have because this is true, you have an internal wound that is the size of a dinner plate. Oh, goodness. Where your, where your placenta has come out. You are bleeding. Um, you know, this is, you might look fine on the outside, but there is a lot of stuff going on in your body. Your body is making milk. Your body is bleeding. Your body has an internal wound. Um, and most of the time you're running on a crazy hormonal roller coaster. So getting a real understanding of what's going on physiologically, I found helpful in changing my mindset from, I just got to keep going. And yeah, my baby's just going to, you know, come along for the ride and I'm going to get out there. It's like, no, no. So first step is working on the mindset. Second step is yeah finding those areas of support so there's lots of different areas of support you can go you can go professional as you said but people have 
resources available to them as long as they're willing to ask for that help. Asking for the support instead of the stuff is what I preach all the time. I find that people really want to help friends, family, neighbours, your community, but often they don't quite know how or they've forgotten those old ways of helping. So they might be bringing you a onesie at a baby shower or they might be, you know, buying toys for your baby, all of that stuff. What I really encourage people to do is think about asking for a different kind of help. Um, the material stuff, yes, you need a bit of it, but a cute onesie is not going to make you a warm <laughs> meal mm. and hold the baby while you have a nice hot shower or just, you know, listen to you while you need a, a little cry. Like you, you need to think about the different people in your circle who are really good at certain things. Maybe you've got someone who loves to cook and then maybe you could ask them to bring you a meal. Maybe you've got someone who is a great listener. So that's your go-to. And I encourage people to write these things down before they have the baby so that we're in your baby brain state when you can't think of anything it's all there for you so it's like right Alex is the person that I call when you know I just need to have a good vent or you know Sophie is someone that I'm gonna ring up when I need something grabbed from the grocery store because she lives you know a block away from me um just kind of having that that forward thinking um and also second time around what what I did which was amazing and made the biggest difference was to organize a meal train so there's um, a website called mealtrain.com and you can set people up to bring you meals so they get like a they jump on and they see a calendar and they nominate a date that works for them that they'll bring a particular meal for you and you can put in any dietary preferences or anything like that I even though I I'm always talking about asking for help. I still found it really hard to ask for that. So I ended up asking a friend to organize that for me. <laughs> so even though I do this for work, I still find it awkward to ask people. But that was a way of being like, okay, I'll ask a really good friend who I'm close to and trust to set it all up. And she set it up and sent out emails to everyone. And we had a month of not cooking dinner. We didn't think have to think about groceries. People not only made dinner for us, but they dropped off, you know, uh, like, like people put in beautiful tea, chocolate, you know, all that kind of stuff wow. because we didn't, we didn't need anything. We didn't, we didn't need, you know, any of that stuff. And, and these days, you know, you have your own preferences anyway. So you're going to buy the particular brand of whatever the, that you want. But yeah, I highly recommend meal train number one, biggest thing and also if you can't afford to have a postnatal massage maybe you could ask your friend you know if your friends want to buy your present maybe they could all chip in you know 10 bucks and and buy a massage for you like a mobile massage in your living room which is also incredible it seems really socially acceptable to send out a baby store gift registry right where mm. you can choose <laughs> like mm. oh okay I want to buy her a, a baby bath or whatever mm. but it feels disjointed that if you said I don't want any stuff I just want your time you know or mm. some of you mm. how could you turn up for me people would feel like you and I would feel very confronted by that so mm. I think getting 
a friend is a great, it's almost like the door bitch, you know, it's <laughs> like you get that person that's just in between. So you're actually not having to deal with anyone's excuses or anyone's and it's mm. like, okay, they don't, they actually just want to buy me something cool. And yeah. Sally over there is going to turn up with a stew or she's going to run the food train. I think it's about navigating the way in which we do this is such a new and foreign thing. Like just this totally. conversation is going to be really triggering and mind-blowing for a lot of people. Mm. And, you know, I think part of it is taking on the responsibility to set expectations for your circle. So maybe thinking about the way that you want to do a baby shower, for example. Like, um, I mean, I had a traditional sort of baby shower first time around. Second time around, I planned to do a mother blessing, which didn't end up happening because of COVID. But my plan was to, in that mother blessing, it was all about corralling support and getting these women around me to sort of, it was all about them demonstrating different ways of supporting me. And at that mother blessing, they were going to sign up for, um, you know, different dates that they could bring food. Um, that, so I ended up doing it through the meal train way, but that could be something where it's like, even pre having the baby, you're setting that expectation. You're saying to your friends, I'd love for you to come and help me step from maiden to mother where, you know, you're at this amazing cusp of transition in your life and having those women around you at the end of pregnancy helps set up those support systems for after the baby's born as well. So because we've discussed the importance of food and nutrition mm. and you're asking people to do it, like do the cooking, do you also send them like a guideline? Like I like stewy things and I need this because mm. of my baby or do you just take what you get? Yeah, look, what I personally did was I filled my freezer and you can see my freezer tour on my Instagram. I absolutely stuffed two freezers full of the food that I specifically knew would nourish me, like my the food that I cook for my clients. And then I just told people, like, we, we don't eat pork, for example. So I said, we don't eat pork, but I just said, left it open from there. Right. Um, a couple of people said, is there anything specific you want or anything you're thinking of? I said... I can send you some recipes if you'd like, because I've got a couple of postpartum recipe books. And so, and a couple of my friends already had those. And so they made me food specifically out of that. But I was really happy to have whatever, like mm. people made beautiful, like chicken pies, bolognese, like it's, it didn't have to be that focused postpartum um optimal food because also it was feeding my whole family but I had as well in the freezer you know the kitchery and the dal and the bone broth and the the organic pate and the lactation cookies which I had pre-prepared for that period right because there is obviously um people that are looking into this there are so many resources cookbooks as you said the first 40 days is one that I was gifted mm. that it actually was so overwhelming for me the concepts and the food, because a lot of that food I didn't want to eat, especially mm. in the height of summer. And it's when it seems to become difficult, it's like you just shut it down and you're like, oh, I'll just go with the flow. Whereas I think it needs to feel realistic because there are going to be people here that are like, I don't want a congee or a bone broth. Like I'm not that 
organic, you know, and then it's like finding, I guess, what are those things? Like there are pillars within the postpartum nourishment world. Oh, totally. It's just about making things easily digestible and warming. Okay, that's it. it. So you could make a pumpkin soup with cinnamon and ginger, which are spices that warm you up. Or, okay, you're having a baby in the height of summer. God knows you don't want to have a soup. Totally cool. You know, you get a friend to roast you up a tray of veggies so that makes it digestible. Roast them up in some beautiful, you know, cinnamon, ginger, cumin, nice spices that are warming for the body. But you eat that cold with a bit of, I don't know, have it with some hummus or, you know, a can of tuna or some quinoa that, you know, you've you've already cooked up and got in the fridge. Yes. It doesn't have to be out there, wacky, organic. And rigid. Sometimes it feels this world can feel very rigid and I'm very open and I know that lots of people listening are going to be less open than I am. So I think it's really important for you to say that there are ways to incorporate those pillars that work for you. Completely. I I would just say to people, you know, keep the principles in mind. So try to avoid cold, raw, like a raw, big, big raw salad after you've given birth is not going to be your friend. You're not going to have a happy digestion after that. But if you go, oh, you know what? I'm going to have bolognese and pasta. Fine. Slow cook yourself a, a stew. Make yourself an, you know, order a curry. Get a, someone was telling me that they ordered from hospital um, a Vietnamese fur, like chicken fur. And that's perfect. Mm. Like you've just got to kind of, there are definitely ways around your own food preferences and everyone has them and it doesn't have to be rigid because there are definitely confinement practices in certain cultures that are extremely rigid and say on this day you have to eat this food and on that day you have to eat that food and blah 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 blah. I just don't think that works for our culture. Do you know why digestion is so affected? Uh, It's probably an obvious answer, but I don't know it. Well, you just think about how your gut has been squished up, (laughs) number one, (laughs) during pregnancy, and then everything's kind of going back into place. But the most, the biggest reason why it's it's impacted is because you've got such, all your body's energy is going towards healing. So that big internal wound, that's going to be healed. You've got to produce breast milk for Mm, your baby. You've got all this other stuff happening. So your digestion just slows down. It's just sluggish. I just say to people like, okay, you want to have some fruit, like have some stewed fruit or have you know, have cooked, have like a cake with fruit cooked. Have into an it. apple like, pie. Have an apple pie. Exactly. Exactly right. It'd be so much better um, than an apple. Just don't be having, you know, your big crunchy salads. It's not the time. Like in six weeks, yes, but those sort of first six weeks, soupy, stewy, cooked stuff that you're don't yes. you don't have any spare energy for digesting the raw things if you can avoid it because I'm also thinking the reasons behind things like you said kitchari what is this Mm. so kitchari is a classic ayurvedic indian ayurvedic dish that is served at various points to various people but it's a classic postpartum food it's made out of mung dal and rice and it's just kind of a soupy stewy thing like if you've had dal um 
It's it's very similar, but it's made with rice and it's got lots of beautiful spices and it's got ghee, which is a absolute postpartum superfood, which is like kind of like clarified butter, but all the lactose has been taken out. And it's got this beautiful kind of toffee flavor. Um, so it's got that in it. It's just everything is all squishy and warm and it helps, you know, helps everything keep on going. I think this is really interesting for people that are pregnant or thinking about being pregnant and have the time to do some recipe searching and do some bulk cooking, right? Mm. Because that is going Mm -hmm. to just save you a heap of dollars. It's going to give you a lot of options. Like you said, we can take them through your kitchen tour on Instagram. I mean, your fridge freezer tour to get some inspo, but that's one way as well to save cost because we know there are a lot of food delivery services that focus towards postpartum mamas, but there are ways to save if you just don't want to have that as an outgoing expense. Completely. And the thing with postpartum food is it's not expensive. You don't have to use um, fancy ingredients. Like a lot of it's really, really simple. Um, you know, you think about rice pudding or the kitchery or dal, like it's, it, it's, you don't even have to, you know, spend much money on it. Um, I invested in spending on organic meat because that was important to me but generally speaking like you can get cheap cuts of meat um because you want to slow cook it anyway Mm. and you know it's it's dirt cheap to buy some organic beef bones and make a beef bone broth is so cheap I can't even tell you um and or a chicken bone broth there's nothing nicer than having like a, a nourishing kind of cup of chicken soup you can chuck some noodles in there um cook up some veggies whatever Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I heard just recently that your bone marrow, from the amount of blood you lose, your bone marrow takes such a hit that it does take, I think it is six weeks or longer to restore. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that the correlation between the bone broth or is that bone broth just that it's so good for gut health? Well, it's good for gut health. I don't know about the bone marrow, but what I do know about um, bone broth is that it contains glycine, which is an extremely important nutrient both in pregnancy and in postpartum because it helps with your tissues. So it helps with those stretching tissues Ah. and it helps with repair. So think about your perineum stretching during birth. Mm -hmm. Think about any tears you might have or an episiotomy, a C-section, Glycine is going to help that wound healing um, and getting all those tissues back into shape. So it's it's one of the most important, but under uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Utilized. About. You know yes. what I'm saying? Underutilized yeah. recipes. Yeah. Um, so it's got all of the goodness from the bones coming out, and it's also almost like having like an electrolyte drink. It's just got all of that, um, all of those nutrients perfectly balance to hydrate you it's one of the biggest things like you lose a lot of fluid in birth you lose 
blood, you know, you probably yes. poop yourself, yes. you know, like you are basically dehydrated when you, when you come out of, um, giving birth. And then if you're breastfeeding, you know, that's all that liquid's coming out of you and you're bleeding. So you've got to really replenish those fluids and bone broth is one of, um, I believe, one of the best ways to do it. You can also do teas and herbal teas. I wouldn't recommend caffeine at that point. Um, you know, lots of lots of water, anything warming, any like hot chocolates. I make a beautiful hot chocolate for my clients. Um, anything like that is going to help. So would you say bone broth a day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And would you say that for those people that are like, I don't want to stew up my own bone broth, you know, those, um, there are some companies now making it in packet form. Yep. Does that yep. count? Look, I haven't done this kind of nutrient breakdown of the powdered stuff. I know you can get, even just at Woolies, you can get, I think it's called like good bones and that looks pretty good. I've looked at their ingredients. That looks good. I, I just don't know what's taken out when you make something shelf stable and how, cause the more you process something to make it shelf stable, the more of those nutrients they use. So it's maybe not the optimal way to do it, but if it's that or nothing, that is good. You know what I mean? Like there doesn't, it doesn't have to be you're doing everything from scratch or you're doing nothing. There's always yes. a middle path. Cause there could be someone listening to us two days postpartum. They're like, I ain't no making no broth. I'm just going to get the yeah, powdered stuff. Totally. It works. Okay. Get, get the powdered stuff or better yet, get someone to make the bone broth for you and deliver it in your food train. That's exactly right. So let's move on to comforting touch because I'm sure a lot of women are thinking, do not touch me. Like <laughs> I just get, and also the amount you're potted and proked throughout the birth the, mm. and then, you know, obviously birthing and then someone suckling on you all day, mm. every day, you often don't want to be touched, but you and I were talking about mothering the mother and what my dream would be somebody tucking me into bed and mm. like treating me like a child, like, you know, mm. t wiping the hair from my face and tucking me in and um, giving me a nice little back rub before bed. Is that the difference in what you're saying? Yeah, look, I think there's a difference between touch where someone wants something from you, like a baby you know, who's suckling at your boob or, you know, something like that versus touch without any strings attached. Um, I mean, what I do for my clients and what I had my, my postnatal doula do for me is, you know, there's a shoulder and neck massage or maybe a foot massage with beautiful, you know, oils. There's I had a client who really wanted me to brush her hair because she just loved that feeling and have a little head massage. And then it's, here's a warm drink, tucking you into bed, have your warm drink. Here's your eye mask. I've got the baby. You go to sleep. Mm. Like that is, that is to me the optimum because you've ticked off the comforting touch. You've taken away the woman's obligations to the baby in the house yes. and you, you've um, given her, you know, some, some, nourishment as well. I want that. How much does that cost? <laughs> what does that cost us? For someone to rub us, put us in bed and take our baby. What's the going rate? Everyone's going to be like, how much? I want that as a baby gift. 
Well, look, it varies, but I think, um, I think it also varies as what you want as a person. It's really personal. Touch is so personal. Is there someone I'm sure you there are people pay to just who... touch you? Like, you know, in a non-sexual <laughs> yeah, yeah. way? Yes, it's called a masseuse, and I'm sure you will have plenty of massages in your first part of the <laughs> And do you just say to them, are you okay to put me in bed after? Or is it better to work with a postpartum masseuse that kind of gets that this arrangement might develop yeah look I that would be the way I would go and uh, the way I did go was to have um I have a mobile I had a mobile masseuse who was a doula as well a birth doula so she got it she knew um and she literally you know gave me a one-hour massage and then put me to bed and then my postpartum doula would be like lie down on the bed I'm giving you a foot massage while you drink your cup of tea because we can't really leave our newborns with just masseuses, you know. It's like we're gonna no, have to probably, probably be like, not. um, this is outside of my scope of work. Okay. Yeah, look, you either want someone who's really got a good understanding of working with women in post in the postpartum period, um, or someone who is is going to do the whole thing, which is what a postnatal doula does. But got you it. know, if you can just find someone who specialises in in um, postnatal massage, great. Mm, so great. Okay, let's move on to the presence of wise women because that kind of sounds tricky. It is tricky and there are going to be plenty of people who are not, don't have the kind of energy that you want in your space. That might sound a bit woo-woo, but you've just got to think about the people who shit you to tears. You know, like, is there someone who presses your buttons? That is not someone you want in your space in postpartum at all. Um, but is there someone who makes you feel uplifted after you leave them and you have a good laugh with, or they're a great listener, or, you know, they always say the right thing. Those are the people that you want around you. And it doesn't even have to be coming into your house. It might be that, you, you know, if they're in a different city or different country or whatever, you're just FaceTiming with them. Um, but consciously kind of curating those people is important and it's important to do it pre having the baby. So, um, like I said, you know, making a bit of a list as to who you've got in your circle, who could support you, you know, it might be that there's, um, a mum who lives across the road with a similar age child who would happily take your older child to the park mm, for you. Okay. Or there's someone next door, like a single couple, but they've got a dog and they could walk your dog for you. You're like just writing that down so you can go, oh yeah, that's that person. Um, so it's, it's kind of, they're the people who might be able to help with external stuff. You know, maybe there's a mother-in-law who pushes your buttons, but they're an amazing cook. So could you give her the first 40 days cookbook and be like, I would love for you to help me fill my freezer. Do you know what I mean? It's harnessing those people in the right way. You, you might not want that person to come and sit in your living room for three hours because they just refuse to leave, but they might be great at, you know, doing laundry or something. Like I had someone tell me how her mother would just pick up the laundry, like just say, hi, I'm here to pick up the laundry, wash it and bring it back clean and folded and just drop it on the doorstep. Wow. Like dream. So how do we then navigate the shit me to tears people like how mm. I'm, I'm quite good at that. Cause I am comfortable with that, but lots of people aren't. So can you help with those? Cause I think it is really, really fragile that time to have people in your energy that are going to drain you more than you need to be. 
what do you say if you don't want your mother-in-law or you don't want your sister or whoever it is, you just can't deal? Yeah, it's really, I actually think this is the hardest part in postpartum. It, it is for me anyway, I'm really bad with boundaries. Um, I think there's a few elements. So one is having the tricky conversations before the baby comes. And that might mean sending out a generic kind of email to a bunch of people. So no one feels targeted um, and saying something like just setting the expectations, right? So saying something like, you know, we're about to welcome this little baby. Um, we are so thankful for all the offers of support we've been given. We'll be taking the first two to three weeks without any visitors, but we'll reach out if we need anything or would like you to come over. Um, and, and holding that boundary, you know, really holding that and not taking any crap from anyone who tries to guilt trip you into it. Um, also like putting up a sign on the door saying, you know, mama's rest, mama and baby are resting. Uh, if you need anything, please text. Oh, I love and that. Give, yeah, because people, you don't want anyone ringing your doorbell. No one should do that. Um, no one should just drop by. That's not okay. Uh, and people might still try it on. The other big thing is if you have a partner, they need to start thinking of themselves in the role of gatekeeper. So people shouldn't really be texting you to say, can I come over? They should be texting your partner. And if they do come over, it's your partner's job to go, all right, they've been here for 45 minutes-ish. I'm going to start wrapping things up and ushering them out the door. <laughs> I've got the worst partner in the world for that. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to get on board. Um, yeah. Um, he, yeah, because they, you just don't, I, I personally feel, unless it's someone who's seriously close to you, you don't really want anyone in certainly in those first couple of weeks um in your space for longer than an hour um in part because you just need to have your boobs out a lot mm. and you just need to lie down like you need to be resting so you just don't want like and you don't want a slew of visitors either like I see it all the time with people just getting swamped by visitors and often that's you know that's part of a cultural expectation that happens and you have to you have to navigate like everyone's circumstances will be different but I would just encourage you to think about the idea like what do you want the first few weeks to look like and then set your boundaries accordingly mm -hmm. um, you know who are those people that you want in your space who are those people that you don't want in your space um, and yeah, you're going to have to have some hard conversations or hard emails um, and get whoever's around you, partner or, you know, whoever's supporting you to kind of be on board as a bit of a gatekeeper because you don't want to be dealing with, with pushy people. I think it is really important as well when they are allowed to come that they understand the boundaries and, and the way things are going to play out. So, my expectation this time around, and this is going to sound really ballsy, is you're, if you're not adding value to the visit, don't come. So you're coming to make my life easier and don't expect to even see the baby potentially if it's sleeping or I have this real, I've worked with a, 
like a sleep specialist and she was really funny with people passing the baby around early days. And I yes, get that. I am too. I I'm am really too. funny with it too. Even when someone else has a newborn and they want to pass it to me, I feel like saying, oh, that bubba just needs to be with you. You know, it doesn't need my energy. It's going to be so unsettled. It doesn't need your hormones, your chemicals, your pheromones. Like in those early days, that physical bond, they call it the mother baby dyad because you are, you are still one. Your cells are in their body. Their cells are in your body. Like for the rest of your life, by the way. Yes. Um, like they, you are as one you, and disrupting that by handing it around to too many people, which potentially could overstimulate them, especially if someone's or if someone's got like perfume. No on. perfume. No perfume. No no <laughs> crazy deodorants. Nothing. 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 No. And even fabrics. I think you need to be really sensitive that if it does come the time that you are going to be holding a, a baby, a newborn, you're wearing. You know, like don't be wearing a mohair sweater that's going to get in their mouth or their <laughs> eyes. Like just be really. Or that's been soaked in fabric oh, softener. You know, or, just you know? be so yeah. mindful. So I think that's the things that I didn't know until I had a baby and I learned, oh, my God, what is happening with my child? He's so stimulated. Oh, we had three Mm. guests over. Mm. Um, And they're all home. They're all gone home and having a glass of wine and you're left with this hysterical (laughs) child. That's right. And you're exhausted because you've been on all afternoon, you know, that that mental strength. It's so hard when you don't, when your your brain has come out of your vagina, you know, yes. like you've got serious baby brain. Holding a conversation is bloody hard work. You don't need that. You've got too much else going on. Imagine though, if you received an email from someone that said, hey, this is what's up. We don't want guests. If you want to bring meals, great. And, and just laid it all on the line. And then said, when we do want to see you, this is what we would appreciate. It would just be like so simple. You know, people will get the shits, of course, but it would be just so simple. The thing is that I find is that people really want to help, but what they see as helpful is not actually often that helpful. Like there's this sort of weird thing in our culture where the idea is, and I did this pre-having a baby, so I was totally guilty of it as well. You come over, you maybe bring something, um, Never, ever turn up empty-handed to visit a new parent, by the way. Um, but you maybe, maybe you do bring something, but then you're like, oh, cute, I'm going to hold the baby, wonderful, how are you, cool, tell me about the birth, great, bye. No, you like the focus should not be on the baby, the focus should be on the mother and the parents of going, okay, what can I do to help you guys? What do you need? Like even just texting them on the way being like, I'm passing the shops in 10 minutes, is there anything you want me to grab? Like it doesn't have to be mm, anything cool. crazy. It's just or going in and saying, do you have any laundry you need folded? Yeah. Can I bring something exactly. in? Have your dogs been played with? Like, Or just going to the sink and doing the dishes. Just go like, to the sink. Wait. Don't ask. <laughs> if you just do a scan of the house and just yeah. like do something for an hour and don't talk to the mother. Wait till she talks to you. <laughs> That's right. I had a friend who came over and, you know, we, we made a cup of tea and she insisted. She was like, I'll make it. You go sit down. And she was like, do you have any clean washing? Great. And she sat there and we just chatted and she folded my washing while we chatted. And it was lovely. Yeah. 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 I just think it's changing 
the way in which we turn up for people and what yeah. we now expect as new mothers. And it's not going to be like this forever. It might seem demanding and strange, but you're going to be back in the world and helping someone else with their laundry. So I think we need to be selfish and surrender to that. The last point you made was nature. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. What would you say, because you do a lot of postpartum planning, mm. is that what we kind of covered or are there other elements that you want to share? Well, when I do my postpartum planning, like I, we delve into like everyone, like the person who I'm talking to, their personal situation. So I'm talking, I've been talking sort of broad strokes, but hopefully it's been helpful. Yeah, but that's, that's kind of the main thing. If you can spend just a bit of time prenatally, oh, the other big thing you should do is have the, have some conversations with your partner. Oh yes. That's, that's, that, um, <laughs> that's a big one. Because I think what people don't realize, I didn't realize is how shaken up your relationship can be by the arrival of this new little person. Mm. Um, and also these sort of differences in opinions and expectations that come up during postpartum that you might not have even considered prenatally. So things like visitors and things like, oh, are you going to want to go out at night? We need to have a conversation about that. Do you know what I mean? Like having those conversations beforehand, talking about finances, talking about, um, you know, how are we going to find time for each other? Talking about things like, um, what kind of touch do you need? Like maybe you really love it when your partner, I don't know, massages your feet or something, but you really hate it when you, they're cuddling you or I don't know, whatever it is. Like having those conversations prenatally is going to save a whole world of pain down the track um, because it's it's such a massive shakeup for a relationship. And if I would say if you find that challenging – because a lot of people will find it very hard to discuss. Even yeah. me talking to my husband about my dedication to the fourth trimester, he's kind of like, oh, that just sounds like a holiday. Like, what are you doing? Um, you know, <laughs> Send him to me. I know I need to like massage it into him over time. But I also yeah. think if you can get a good family therapist just to have, mm. I do this with any big life change and do it when you're not in crisis, do it when you're in love. Yes. Sit down and hear each other. Cause he's going to have, or she is going to have expectations too of what they're going to need to breathe and what they're going to need to turn up for you and fill your cup. So I think it is really important to go, okay, well, if you're going to go out um, to play golf for five hours, could you find somebody that we both agree with that can be here or something, you know, or go by this hour and this hour? Or I think we need to, it needs to be all out on the table. So when these circumstances arrive and you are going to get the shits because you're so sleep deprived, you're not damaging your relationship at the same time. Mm. Completely. Like I remember having a conversation with my husband and saying, look, I want to make sure that you're filling your cup as well. And we said, okay, well, maybe every Wednesday when my postnatal doula comes, you go off and have a coffee and read a book at the, at the cafe 
and that's your filling your cup time. And that he did that. And it, it did actually make a big difference because mm. partners need breathing space as well. I would say the other thing is people go, oh, my partner's really supportive. Yeah, that's great. But your partner can't be everything to you. I mean, ever, ever, but specifically in postpartum. And I think um, particularly if you're with a guy, they are just going to relate very differently to someone who's been there before. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a woman who's given birth one or more times who gets it on a deep level is going to show up really differently to to your partner. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. That's not that they're not lacking. It's just different but you know you got to think about things that what does your partner do really well like I loved it when my husband would bring me um breakfast in bed while I was doing the first feed of the day and a cup of tea and that was his job and um other people who I've worked with like their partner's job before they've gone to work like if your partner's going back to work after a couple of weeks their job was to um refresh their feeding station so they had like a little basket which was like you've got now got fresh water you've got a flask of herbal tea that's going to stay all day you've got a phone charge you've got several snacks and that was their kind of job so it's going to be different for everyone but just thinking about the practical and emotional ways that you're going to get through this as a a couple is Mm. crazy important yeah beautiful what Mm. do you feel there was like one thing you could only choose one thing postpartum I know I know what would be high on the priority list I think it depends on how many children you're having so I think if it's a first time mum you really need emotional support so you need that person who's going to reassure you that it's all okay that there's light at the end of the tunnel that you're doing a great job and you know be there to really hear you out if it's if you're a second or you know third or fourth time mum I would say it's practical stuff I would say food would Mm -hmm. be my number one because if you just don't have to think about food you're already miles ahead or maybe it's that you've got you know kids if they get out of like for me I was like I just need to have my daughter out of the house for a couple hours so I can have some peace and quiet um so I think it's very much it's a massive um emotional transition first time around and it is second time as well but it's such a big life change that I think it's that emotional support so really invest maybe it's investing in a therapist maybe it's just identifying the people in your life who can emotionally support you and second time I think it's it's um more about the practical Mm. So beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. My absolute pleasure. Sadly, I don't think you are going to be able to come over and cook for me and brush my hair. Um, Mate, um, I'll bring you some lactation (laughs) cookies. Don't worry. That's the least I can do. (laughs) Um, But for everyone that wants to find your services, we'll leave that on the show notes. And yeah, take a peek through the freezer tour. It won't disappoint. Mm. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me, Zoe. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.